on the Be Amazing podcast, we are starting some fun new episodes called Write That Down with my husband, Eric Smart. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> usually you see Eric behind the scenes. He's usually either editing video and photos that he's taken. He usually shows up at the events. He's so supportive and encouraging. Of all the female events I do under Be Amazing and I just thought it would be fun to share a little bit of our life kind of behind the scenes and what goes on. And before we get into who Eric is, I want to talk a little bit about write that down. What does that mean? <laughs> and write that down is something that we have. Um, it's kind of like an inside joke. I actually stole it. I stole it from a movie, uh, a National Lampoon's movie uh, called Van Wilder. And the main character, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, that comedian, I forget, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. And so the main character, he walks around, he's like the king of campus on a college campus. He's probably like a fourth year senior or something and he knows everything. And so he's super obnoxious and constantly telling people to write that down after he says something profound. So I found it hilarious. I found it to be a hilarious way to highlight my profound genius. Anytime something <laughs> funny comes to mind, I say, write that down. That's good. That's good. Write that down. <laughs> that really does happen. Like we're in the car. We could be gone somewhere. It's in the house. I'd be like, write that down. That was good. That was good. We'll need to remember that. So we thought this would just be a fun way to name our episode, write that down. And actually. And give... point out to all your friends how obnoxious I am. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but we thought this would just be a fun way to share some. Uh, behind the scenes of us, but then also like some real stuff that you can actually apply to your life, whether it's in business, personal, and even like opening up about our relationship and how we work together and like all the uh, ups and downs with that. So with that said, Eric, I'm putting you on the spot. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. So uh, I'm 45 years old. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> I suppose that's not true. I'm, well, I don't know if I'm a master, but I'm pretty good at sales and business. So I think those are my two areas of expertise. And while I've owned 13 different businesses, all of them have revolved around sales in some capacity, uh, usually real estate or construction related or a lot of brokerage stuff, broker and sale of businesses or real estate or um, investment in real estate. And that's, what's been fun is because he has all that experience. It's really helped me with my career with ready fitness. Like you were a huge reason why I took the step to do this hundred percent commission job because I was a salary person and never did. Like I, I was so scared to do anything and take steps. And you were my biggest cheerleader. You saw in me potential and that's why we're where we are now with that part of what I do every day, which is outfitting and designing fitness centers for multifamily communities. Yeah. And I've always been jealous of your job. And it, when you were offered the job, I thought it was an amazing opportunity. Um, now that you've been doing it for so long, I, I think you're better than I would have been had I ever done that. But it, it's been amazing to watch and, and fun to support. And um, you've become an impressive entrepreneurial salesperson over the journey. Well, I appreciate that. And all the things that like all the advice that you give me and the push when I need it, 
you like yesterday I had an op- I had a moment of just being totally defeated and discouraged and he was like right there to say no you got this this isn't this is just a challenge you can overcome it this is in business like this is what comes with the territory and so I'm thankful for that because he's always in my ear like pushing and challenging but also can flip the script and be my biggest cheerleader you handled yesterday like a champ that was that was a kick in the balls like that was <laughs> she lost a, a, a couple of deals that is tens of thousands of dollars in commissions. I mean, a big chunk of what we were anticipating for 2023 in income, but I mean, shit happens. That's business. So you've handled it like a champ. I'm super impressed. A little bit of crying, but then you wouldn't beat the <laughs> shit out of a slam ball in the gym. Are we allowed to cuss on this? The hard you got many cusses. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, y'all. I'm not normally. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you can't lie. Yeah. That's the part you're going to see is this is real. Like, wow, we're talking now. It's like pretty authentic to our relationship and who we are. Yeah, and you'll find I'm not exactly like Seal. You, you, if you don't know me, you might be a little surprised because she's super sweet and innocent and pure and all the things that, um, you know, I, I try to move in that direction, but I'm certainly <laughs> not that. <laughs> but that's what makes us so great. And I think that's what a good partner is, is your opposite. Like, I think we have found that we, there are things about you that I need in my life. And there are things about me that you need in your life. And so we've actually complimented each other and have helped each other grow. Very well. Yeah, exactly. And so I just like, that's just been a big thing. And I haven't always been able to articulate it or share it, but thought this would be like a really cool, unique way to do that. Awesome. And articulate is not a word I would have normally used. Thanks to you Eric Smart. used it very well. You must have wrote that down. I wrote that down. Good. We wrote that down and I've held on to that word and I bring it out. Every once in a while, I'll bring it out. Well, I want to talk about entrepreneurism and how you got started. You were actually 21 when you took your first step. Yep. Yeah. So um, I, I bought a gym. It was, it was losing money. I was in college. I was a member there. And the owner and I became friendly over the years of working out there. Uh, Come to find out he was in a little bit of financial trouble and was wanting to hire me in a sales role when he found out that I was in school for sales and business. Uh, Another young guy that worked there who was younger than myself, he was 19, um, came to me one day and said, hey, man, I want to buy Mark out. And uh, if, if you want to do it with me, we should buy this gym. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So I don't have any money. And I live in my parents' basement paying for school. So uh, how would that how would that work? And he told me that the guy who had an SBA loan and was going to default on it and had found out what the payoff was. And I don't remember what the number was, but I, I know it was slightly less than $50,000. And um, I was tasked with coming up with half of that and uh, went to a lot of banks and got a lot of no's and finally talked my dad into letting me borrow against his 401k, which I didn't appreciate as much as I should have at the time because what a risk. And I'm I'm thankful that I was not only able to pay him back, but pay him back handsomely. I mean, I, I gave him the strongest return on investment that any investors ever had on a small loan like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an, an opportunity. And, and I think that's pretty uh, 
reflective of my entrepreneurial career in general is I am an opportunist. I, when opportunities come, I don't hesitate. I jump on them, but there's many periods of my life where years pass and it seems like nothing's coming. So I, I think that's kind of the moral of my entrepreneurial uh, trek is just be ready because when it comes, it comes hot and heavy and you don't know when your next opportunity is going to be. So you got to capitalize on it when it's, when it's there. And I know being an entrepreneur, you've had like a lot of challenges. You've had a lot of ups and downs. You have had things that have literally left you in a spot where I think a lot of people would have just like given up and like, you know, walked away and just stopped altogether. And instead you get back up, you brush yourself off and you keep going. What, like, what keeps you going? Like, what is it that just keeps you moving forward? Yeah. So, you know, I've owned 13 businesses, I think over my career. And, and while that may sound impressive to someone that hasn't owned a business, um, it, it's sometimes embarrassing for me to say out loud, because that means that's 13 failures. I don't, I, if they're not in operation today, then was it a success? Um, but they, they were successes in, in their moment and they helped get me to the next thing. And, um, what keeps you going, you know, it, it's the, the, the blessing and the curse of entrepreneurism is it's lonely at the top and you're always at the top. You're not reporting to a boss. And unless you have a business partner, which I've been fortunate to have many a time, um, you don't even have someone to bounce things off of. And so surrounding yourself with entrepreneurial friends and things, people that can empathize and relate is super important, but that realization of that comes with the loneliness at the top is that, that, that no one's coming to save you is a good motivator to when you're in a dark spot to finally pull your head out of your ass and say, you know, if, if something's going to change, it's going to be because I change it and no one's coming to rescue me. So pull up your big boy pants, dust yourself off and get back at it. I think too, and this is just something because, you know, I live with you, you're my partner, but the other part of what I've watched with you is you're always striving to become a better version. And you do that through all the, you know, self-improvement by listening to books. Like you have an audible that's loaded with books and you're constantly looking for stepping it up, going to the next level, not settling. And I really appreciate that about you. Is there is there anything right now as far as like, is there a book or is there a, you know, or, or somebody that has inspired you to do that? Or has that just been total self-motivation? It's just the realization that it's lonely at the top. And if you're going to, if, if no one's telling you what to do and, and no one's making you do these things to improve, you at some point realize that you're going to do it yourself or, or you're just not going to get better. I listen to a podcast pretty regularly these days that's specific to real estate investing. It's um, Bigger Pockets. It's a whole network. It, it's online. Um, what, what do you call it? The, where people post things and things, and it's a free resource. And um, I, I just like to hear other entrepreneurial people going talking about their experiences, and and you don't have to know them, and you can relate. And can empathize and you can find little nuggets from it 
I, on that podcast, they always ask like, what's your favorite book? And it's become super cliche because all these investors say the same thing. Um, they say Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And the reality is that was the first one for me. And I, it's, it's weird to even say it out loud because I swore I would never say that on a podcast is my favorite <laughs> book because everybody does. Um, but I was a kid and I, I read that book and I think I was in high school and it, it talks about Robert Kiyosaki having two dads and one was a super successful entrepreneur and the one wasn't. And um, you learn what it takes and then, and then the opportunities that are presented by being your own boss. Like not, I, I love not having a ceiling. There's no one, there's no height that you can't achieve when it's all up to you. There's no, there's no pay grade. Like you create it yourself. So, um, you know, I, I, my motivation books and all that, like it, uh, over 150 books in my Audible and there's not a single fiction book in there. Like everything is about sales or business or communication or psychology or uh, it, it's just, it's all self-development related. I, I mean, I, I probably have 10 books just on habits, breaking habits, forming habits. Um, so, I, you know, once I dive down a rabbit hole, I go, I go deep. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that all the time. It's like, okay, am I ready to go down this rabbit hole or do we just leave it where it is? Because we can definitely go down that road like really easily. Yeah, don't ask unless you got a pen and paper and I'm ready to write that down. <laughs> Always back to it. Write that down. Well, what three pieces of advice would you give someone that is maybe feeling discouraged or defeated? Maybe they started a business. Maybe they are trying to put doing something um, that's been a negative, you know, part of their life. What what three pieces of advice would you give? Yeah. So if you're feeling discouraged or have felt discouraged, uh, I feel you. <laughs> I'm, I'm there often. I've been there many a time in dark places that I didn't know whether I'd ever come out. Um, I, I think the biggest piece of advice I'd give is that nothing lasts forever, good or bad. And that's why I call myself an opportunist. When things are good, capitalize on it because it's not going to stay that way. And when things are bad, you only should take so much time to cry in your Cheerios, like you, it, it cry in your beer or whatever you want to call it. it, it it's, it's not going to stay that way. And especially if you're willing, able and ready to do something to change that. So just the realization that no one's coming to save you. If you want things to change, it's up to you. And, and then um, once you realize that no one's coming to rescue you and it's up to you to maintain a a positive spirit and energy about you, you realize that the, the cliche of your network is your net worth is oh so true. Like you are the sum of your five closest friends or the people that you spend the most time with. And there's been periods in my life where I go in a hole and I completely retract. And then there are times where I'm in aggressive networking mode and wanting to add people to my network. And it's based on where I'm at in my life when I'm feeling alone or dark or, or depressed or, or stuck. It, it, I'll look to others that are achieving and, and not. To, so one of the things that's frustrating me as an entrepreneur is when people come to you and, oh, will you be my mentor or will you, will you like no one's volunteering to be mentors for free to anybody. Like it just doesn't work that way. 
go offer something of value to someone that has knowledge and experience that you want and give them your value with no expectation of something in return. And that's where your next mentor is coming from. So finding people that, uh, that lift your spirit and not because they're pouring into you like a psychologist that you, or a psychiatrist that you pay a hundred bucks an hour, but pouring into you from they share their experiences with you and you can feed off of their energy and their wins. So just surrounding yourself with people that are doing bigger and better things than you so that you can aspire to do the same yourself. Which is something that we really share because I've shared, I share that too. I've always looked for coaches. I've always looked for mentors. I've always looked for people that are doing bigger things or that will force me to stretch. And being your wife is actually you know, you've been a coach and mentor for me, not that, not that that was the reason that we got together. That was just kind of like bonus, but like, you know, you've always helped me stretch and grow. And, you know, I think surrounding yourself with people and creating that network or community is so important. So that to me is, is, is a huge part of personal growth. Yes. Grasshopper. Yes. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will say that the, the student has become the teacher in our relationship in so many ways. Like you are absolutely killing it at your job right now. And the relationships that you've built with some of your clients, just like yesterday, you lost the deal because the owner of the company made a specific decision on a line of equipment that he's adamant about having. And your contact went to bat for you. And some of that's because he realizes that your equipment would have been the better solution, but some of it's because he likes working with you and not just that he likes you with a person as a person, but likes that the way that you serve and, and make his life easier. And he doesn't want to compromise that. And, you know, looking back over my career, I don't know how many times I've ever had a client take a career, a, a risk in their career, a potential risk with one of their employers um, to go to bat and have my back like that. That's badass. Like you are, I learn from you regularly these days. So it's pretty awesome when the student definitely becomes the teacher and um, you know, I'm here. I got my pen and paper ready. I'm ready to write that down. So tell me something to write down. Write that down. Well, I think that's been a big part. Like, you know, as a husband and wife that, we have had influence on each other. Now, this has not been an easy road for either one of us. It's like, let's just be honest. There have been a lot of struggles at times and a lot of times that you would see the things I was doing and you're like, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time there? Why are you going and, you know, going to that event? Why do you want to do that? Like what? And then, you know, maybe it takes a year or two for, for the reason or the, the benefit to show up but then also you've helped me learn how to not feel like I have to do everything, like really pause and look at something and see where the return on investment is, the ROI, or does this make sense? And so, I, to, I mean, to me, I feel like we do. It's, it's that back and forth, yeah, like well, how we've helped each other. It's easy to give you advice on things that I've failed miserably at. <laughs> I'm telling you constantly to stop chasing shiny things, but you know, I've had 13 businesses. I, I, I'm guilty of chasing shiny things. So, you know, I had a consulting company once called smart consulting that I shut down because I felt um, imposter syndrome because I'm telling all these other entrepreneurs what to do in their business. 
and to work on it, not in it, and all, all these things that I wasn't doing myself. So you know, I, I'm much better at giving advice than I am following my own advice. So it's it's nice to have someone that um, you know. It's not always the easiest to have your partner be your accountability partner. Um, but what a blessing if you got, if you can heed the advice of your loved one that, to have them there all the time, but, um, it certainly is not easy. Like sometimes you don't <laughs> want to hear advice. You just want to shoulder to cry on. Right. And I, sometimes I don't want the coach yeah. <laughs> or the mentor. And I don't necessarily know how to turn it off. Right. I haven't but, found the switch. Let's, but let, let's take a second and just talk about the, uh, accountability workbook that we use because this has actually played a really important role in our relationship as well as our own personal goals and goals together. However, I wasn't the best accountability partner at first. Like how many years have we been doing this book? At least three, I guess. Three, four. I want to say three or four. I think we're on four. Yeah, maybe four. Uh, It's Darren Hardy's. uh, Living your best year ever. And so it's a journal and you have to do these um, work pages every week and you have to meet with your, you set your goals, you set how you're going to go after your goals. And then you sit down with your accountability partner or Zoom with your accountability partner or call them, however it works for you. And you actually share where you're at, like what has transpired in that week. Did you accomplish what you wanted to go after? Like all of that. For me, I like the idea of it. I didn't like the work of it. Uh, at first because I was like oh and so it was a it's taken me a couple years to to really truly buy in but you were bought in from like the get-go well I knew the reward you and you haven't seen the reward and and to to your credit you 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 still haven't seen the reward of all your work you know all the winnings go back are reinvested so um we certainly live a very conservative humble life and I we haven't celebrated the victories from a monetary standpoint whatsoever so it, without seeing the reward it's it's sometimes hard to remember what you're doing it all for and, and earlier in life when I was still young and dumb and maybe I still am not so much the young but the dumb but um you know I, I celebrated and spent some money and and did some things you know that I made me realize that it is worth it you know, the, the rewards are sweet. And, um, you know, I think this year we'll start to capitalize on that a little bit and you'll feel it. And once you start to feel it, it, it's, it's a lot easier to do the work. Well, and I think with this whole journal, we have now have created this ritual ritual on Sunday nights where we sit at the, we have dinner together at the table and we talk through our journals, but it has opened up, at least for me, it has opened up conversation. Like we really have really worked on our relationship and communication, which isn't always easy. And not just for us. I just think for couples in general, it can get, life can get busy and you don't really take time to communicate, but this has really become a special time for me and how much I appreciate. Yeah. Well, it's, it's helped your maturation and growth with communication immensely. And, and I think one of the biggest struggles we've had early in our relationship is the different ways that we communicate. I'm super verbal and <laughs> Um, <laughs> everything and there, everything. and there is no censorship so it uh it can be it can be crude it can be crass it can be it can be just a brick to the face sometimes and and I, i've had to temper that and learn to present things better and um 
and and become a better listener. So it, a lot of that was just me not being a good enough listener to encourage you to communicate. And I, I think some of the external wins that you're having in business is helping too your confidence. And you know, sometimes I, I feel like I've created a monster. Where you become a little too much like me. <laughs> well, when I like pop pop back with something that's like you got, like, you've got, you've got like, a little sassy. You got a little sassy. <laughs> I have a little sass going on. <laughs> but really, like the going back to the conversation piece, like it's taken me a while to build my confidence to share like what I think and how I feel because you've been you're so like tough. But I will say I'm thankful for that because that has helped me get stronger because I, in business, people aren't going to sugarcoat stuff for you. They're not always going to be like sparkles and butterflies. Like, so I've had to learn to become tougher, but that's because being paired with you and, and the relationship that we have, like, I really think that we have really helped each other grow. Amen. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I do want to go back and talk about a little bit because we talked about challenge. One of the things I wanted to, to ask you about is, you know, stress is a big thing. We all deal with stress differently. Everybody uh, has a different way of handling it. I showed yesterday and found myself yesterday with a slam ball uh, express, like able to manage stress through a workout. So for you, what, what is the best way for you to manage stress when you feel it? Yeah. So when we were talking about books, I mentioned that I have at least 10 books on habits, making and breaking new habits. And uh, over the years, I've learned that I am a creature of habit, as I think we all are in many ways. M maybe I am more than most in that I've learned that um, habits can be, everything of habits is something that's that's bad. Um, and And I've learned over the years that the habits are what you make them. And I've often had a hard time of breaking habits. So through my 20s, my number one outlet was uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, I lived a fast life. There was a lot of drinking and, and just anesthetizing. Um, if the stress was too much to handle for the day, to have a few cocktails and get up and do it again. But, you know, I was working 90 and 100 hour work weeks most of my 20s. So it didn't leave a whole lot of time for life outside of just the, uh, the, the work and work hard, play hard kind of mentality. Um, being with you, it, it triggered some of the stuff. So owning a gym when I was 21, I, I did very much get into health and fitness at one period in, in my life. And it was ironic that at the time that we started dating, I was far from my physical best and it was almost 10 years into our relationship where I really started to tap back into that. And um, you really didn't have any influence on that. Shame on you. <laughs> you be, she's a trainer. <laughs> you watch her husband sit around and get fat. <laughs> but anyway, so no, it was best that you didn't. And, and so I, I, what, it's been a little over two years ago, I decided I needed to quit drinking and I didn't know how to slow down. So I just quit completely. I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of person, um, which certainly was not an easy task. It was probably one of the more challenging things I've ever done in my life. Um, but two years later, you know, I'd say it was probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And 
um, you know, I don't know that I'll never drink again. I just know right now it's, it, it wasn't serving me and uh, I'm better for having done it. And so what I learned is I gave up that habit and took on a new one and it, it, that's working out. And I've always liked lifting weights and I, I got into mountain biking 10 years ago and um, I, I like to fancy myself a, a wannabe like Red Bull downhill racer kind of guy but I have I don't have the skill set for it but I try all those things and hurt myself often and I realized that not being in good shape led to injury and you know and then you're out and you know broken bones and things and um so I got really really into fitness and and then it got easier and easier to not drink and and eat poorly because you start to see the results and you're like well if, if I were to drink or eat this piece of cake or whatever, it's going to be counterproductive to all the work I just put in. So I think for me, just replacing bad habits with good ones and then, um, and then trying to find that, that balance along the way, which I've, I've never found, but, um, you know, trying, trying to find that middle ground, but yeah, working out and being active and, um, just being outside. Those are things that have saved me through my life, I guess. No, I love that. I love that you opened up about the challenge with drinking and it's been two years and the good habits you've replaced with it. And I've watched the transformation, like not just the transformation outside the physical, but the transformation within and like really seeing who you are as a person and getting to know you even more. And we have so much fun when we go to play outside and when we do things together. And I think that when you were saying like, I was a trainer, you know, I'm a trainer and I should have like said something. That's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can't tell Eric to do anything. Don't tell me. <laughs> Just like write that down. Uh, but I also think that even from, we were, I was just talking with Leah yesterday. We were talking about accountability and like finding, you know, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a personal decision. There's timing. There's, there's a, there's a time when you make a decision and it has to be your decision. If it's somebody else's decision or pressure, you'll never, you'll never follow through. It's like with me in the accountability journal. If I hadn't gotten to the point where I flipped that switch and start to own that as my own piece and really take hold of it, it's just gonna, and, and I'm and I'm just doing it because I feel pressure from him, nothing happens. There's no transformation happening. So I think the the example of what you've been through yourself and the fact that you own it and you're you are vulnerable enough to share about it like to me that's really really amazing thanks yeah yeah i don't know that i've said it out loud all that much you haven't and this is a, a public forum i've definitely never done this how many people watch this like two three is i think it, we have three listeners well that, that, for all three. that makes me feel a little more comfortable now <laughs> well so I know you told me about like your one book that you said that you would never talk about. We've already hit that, but do you have a, and you've talked about your, the podcast that you like, but is there like a song that you put on when you go to the gym that like just kicks you in and to full motivation? Not one. No, I just, I just like angry music. Or <laughs> angry music. Things that pump me up is just real heavy metal, real hard, aggressive hip hop. Like, Anything that scares your mama kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess maybe that's where I get my potty mouth. I don't know. 
I just, I, I thrive on like, so that that's how my methodology for overcoming or fighting depression is like, I would rather be mad than sad any day. Like sad doesn't get me anywhere. Mad does. If I get pissed off, it's over. Like whatever, whatever opposition is, uh, whatever, whoever's up against me, whatever challenge there is, like, if I get pissed off enough, it's over. I'm going to figure out a way and get it done. So that I like the kind of music that takes me to that place. And, and then, and then you get it out of your system and you don't, and you don't have to be mad the rest of the day, but yeah, I like some anger music. <laughs> I think there's actually a lot of men that can relate to that. And there's probably some women too, because I don't necessarily function off of that, like off of anger that motivates me. I just like good beat. Uh, if you could have seen yourself at the, <laughs> no. I thought we were going to get kicked out of the gym yesterday because the, the heavy bag clearly says, do not kick. And you're over there kicking the crap out of the heavy bag. And then the employee at the gym comes over and is like, Hey, you're not supposed to kick this. And then proceeds to give you instruction on how to kick it more effectively. And then walks over to me and says, I think she's going to hurt someone. Like she, he was legitimately afraid to go say something to you. Like, you don't understand. You think you're this fuzzy bunny and then no one, like, people are afraid of you in the gym sometimes. Whether you're listening to anger music or not, you look like you're listening to anger music. That's all because I wear a hoodie in my beats. You look angry. It keeps it off. Well, it keeps people from, like, interrupting, so then I just stay focused. But what are you going to do? I am a fuzzy bunny, for real. <laughs> but I do have some edge now, thanks to you. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so we, we're going to leave the audience with one thing that they should write down this week. What's one thing they should write down from this episode? Well, I mean, we're going to wrap up what we talked about here. It should be something that we've said in the, the actual podcast, right? So I think the no one's coming to rescue you thing. Like, why do I have over 150 books in, in my Audible? Because no one's coming to rescue me. And I'm an opportunist. So when the opportunity comes, you strike. And when the, the, the uh, iron is hot, you strike and you keep striking and keep striking until the opportunity is done. Well, so you don't have time to train once the opportunity arises. So you, you train, what's the saying? Um, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So I'm constantly trying to prepare myself for whatever the next thing is, because I don't know what it is. I mean, the house we're sitting in right now, I bought the day I looked at it. It was off market. A wholesaler had it under contract and said, I'm putting it under contract today. Um, and the thing was a mess and it sat vacant for a really long time. And it was a big decision. It was all cash to, to, to buy it out. And it was everything that we had. And I called you and said, hey, we're buying a house today. So had I not done everything that was necessary to prepare for that moment, I'd have missed that opportunity. So I don't want to miss any opportunities because I wasn't prepared. So just knowing that no one's coming to save you, if you're in a, a, a place that you don't want to be, well, do something about that. And if, if you're in too dark a place to do it yourself, find some people to surround yourself with that can lift you up and, and stop being a leech and leaning on them for everything, like use them more as an example and, and pour into them and pour into others and it'll come back. Like, don't be so thirsty and looking for someone to drag you out of your place. But that realization that no one's coming to save you, I, you know, I've, 
I, I was trapped in the woods one time when a four-wheeler broke down and I, I was out there all night and I was surrounded by bears and I had no light and it was the scariest one of the scariest moments of my life and th that realization was more real at that moment than ever before like no one is coming to save you if a bear attacks right now you have to be prepared and and taking that into life and and I know that that's an extreme example but life is an extreme sport like it's tough yesterday was a tough day yeah. that you didn't anticipate right yeah but all the preparation of your tenure, your over a decade in sales and a couple decades in sales, that's what prepared you for that. So had you not read the books and not done the podcasts and all the things you've done for that moment, it, that, that might've been a knockdown that you couldn't get up from. And you got up in a couple hours because you had done all the work years prior. So no one's coming to save you. So if even if you're if, especially if you're in a great place right now, prepare for the worst now. And what better time to prepare than when things are good? So keep pouring in yourself. Never stop investing in yourself. And if it, quit relying on other people to tell you when to improve, like do it yourself. I think it's the biggest blessing of an entrepreneurship is you don't have anyone to rely on. And great. There's no one else to rely on but you and, and a partner. Thank God for my wife. <laughs> Thank God for you. Amen. Okay, so that wraps up our first episode of Write That Down. So stay tuned for more episodes coming. You can reach out to me by It Seals Smart on Instagram and also follow the Be Amazing podcast. So stay tuned. Next episode coming to you soon.